Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Please welcome Erica Olson to the stage. Hi, everybody. Oh, it's so fun to be here. I have learned so much. So big shout out to the Founder Path team. I know we all uh, feel the same way. Erica Olson from OnStrategy. I am going to share how we uh, started our SaaS journey blew it up and started all over again. So I've been at this for a little while. Um, before I go too far though, just what we do, uh, my company's name's on strategy. We build strategic plans, we translate those strat plans into OKRs, um, and then we manage the quarterly performance cycle against those OKRs. So that's what we do. Um, it's always really interesting to explain that. The world of OKRs has just blown up sky high since we've been in business. Uh, so it's, it's nice that there's enough uh, fluency around that now. Our competitive landscape is massive. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Our ICP is fundamentally organizations that have to have a strategic plan, people that have funders, nonprofit boards, or government institutions. So that's what we do. Um, in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to talk a little bit about how we blew up our model and why we did, um, what our SaaS Plus game is all about, and uh, how we keep our customers and some warning signs. As I was thinking about our presentation and kind of restructuring it a little bit as I was listening to all of the good uh, talks earlier today and yesterday, um, a lot of what I'm going to share is unconventional. It's working for us. I don't know if it'll work for you, but take what you can and leave what, leave what doesn't work. So here we go. So here's the, here's the magic slide. Um, it looks like that. All of our slides look like that. What's not on this slide is the bar chart before 2017. So we grew a SaaS DIY model um, up to about 1.2, 1.5 million. Um, and we had churn or we had a retention of about 70%, uh, pretty high churn. We couldn't change it. We couldn't, uh, fix it. We couldn't retain um, any more customers. We threw everything we knew uh, at it. And I finally looked at my team and I said, enough with the crazy. This isn't working. Let's stop doing this DIY model and let's configure our organization and our business and our offering around what our ICP needs for the value that we're delivering. And we started all over again and we churned out all a million 1.2, 1.5 in, in zombie revenue over the past, mm, we have a little bit left and we rebuilt the whole business. So that revenue on the slide right there is all contracted, annually contracted business um, and it's all ARR. So um, we're on the right path, thank God. But uh, that, was a, that, was a, 
that was a hard thing to do. So um, how do we burn the bridges? Um, let's talk about that. So this is not supposed to be animated. Sorry about that. Here we go. Um, so this is our workflow. This is what we do. We, as I said before, we build strategic plans. We translate those plans into OKRs, and then we and we manage a quarterly performance cycle. So um, we were running a DIY process, and people did a great job building their strat plans, and we had massive churn on the implementation and execution side. Um, and so we basically realized that it wasn't working. I mean, the product wasn't working, the service wasn't working, the people that we were selling to um, could not find the value. And so that's why we, we flipped the model. Here's our retention, what it was, and we were stuck at those low numbers. Um, and you can see as we changed the model, we built an embedded SaaS. Our, our software model and our services model, we blended them together. And I was talking to some folks yesterday about that. We no longer do this thing in our organization where we say software and services. We say software and services. So we have a completely 100% blended model, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, just this year, we changed it even more, and that's how we got the expansion revenue that got us to the 107%. So. I'm excited to see that. We are fully bootstrapped. Um, we have no debt, Nathan. Um, <laughs> we are working too hard. Um, we have no debt. We are profitable. We pay, pay, pay profit sharing, um, and we're still here. So uh, it was not an easy transition, I have to say. So anyways, we brought the two worlds together, and I have to say the reason that we did that is we finally took a big step back, and the gentleman who just spoke before me um, just put a really fine point on that. We got very, very tight about our ICP and what the value prop is that that specific group of individuals needed from us, and we bundled together the software and services to deliver that. Um, so again, we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. Um, I, I want to say just a little bit about this, though, is we matched our products and services and our pricing model against the specific job to be done. So we, we are not doing it the same way that everybody else is doing it. Again, it's working for us. We are winning business against our OKR competitors because we are the only offering out there that has a blended model. And people come to us and we fix their OKR messes because what they are doing with their SaaS only providers in a lot of cases isn't working. So again, we'll take everybody's you know lost customers all day long. So. So the big problem, of course, that everybody says is the labor side of services is too expensive. You're not going to hit your 80% margins. Okay, that's probably true. We're still working on that. I'm not going to lie. Um, but we're clocking in at about 200K per FTE, and that's pretty good. That's above average. I'm very happy with that. There are 13 people on our team. Um, 14, when I think of myself as doing two jobs, which all of all, most of us are probably doing. Um, I don't have that work-life balance, but that's okay. Um, so there's 13 of us, and um, that's pretty good. I'm okay with that. Every single client is assigned to a senior strategist. They know the work. They know how to deliver strategic plans. They know how to write OKRs. They know how to manage a quarterly performance cycle. We do not have low, lower um, trained um, customer service reps. So we also have a few, a few bench consultants that help us deliver this work as well. Um, 
And, um, and yes, we've standardized the engagement and of course we have process KPIs. So that has what, that is what has changed our retention. We bring in the right customers because our sales force of one knows how to do the work as well. Um, and we retain those customers because we align them with people that understand the specifics of what we're doing. We are selling business strategy and organizational performance. So it matters that we can speak to executive teams and that's what it's, that's what's made the difference for us. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. So how do we sell SaaS plus? Um, this has been, again, uh, quite a journey for us. Maybe like all of you, I could pepper the walls with all my different pricing pages. Um, we stopped doing that. Uh, we do not have a pricing page anymore. Um, so I'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, but here's how we land our ICP. We are vicious with our inbound. We, um, we only do inbound. Andre, maybe I'll talk to you about that. Uh, we don't do any outbound because selling strategy and OKRs is like selling a root canal. So we stopped doing that. It doesn't work for us, um, at least not yet. Um, so we built a really, really robust inbound, predictable inbound engine. So those are monthly numbers for us. That might not look very big, but our um, annual contract value is about 30K. So we're pretty happy with that. Um, our specific um, metric that we drive towards is our 20 MQLs. That means a call held, I have to say. Shout out to Chili Piper. We just converted to them and we doubled last week our number of calls held. So we're still working on dialing in the uh, qualification on that, but that's okay. It's pretty awesome. So I'm super excited about that. Anyways, and that's our conversion path there. Um, so you can see uh, pretty good, pretty predictable, uh, pretty healthy. No paid, we don't do any paid. And I guess maybe the, the hack and the takeaway for those of you that are driving an inbound content strategy is producing content's easy. We are producing content, all of us, all of the time. Producing low in the funnel content that converts is something that we shifted to and that was a big unlock for us. It might be obvious, it wasn't obvious to us. Uh, so anyhow, and we have brutal qualification because we have one salesperson, so. Uh, yeah, all in one pricing. This also is, um, yeah, this is also one of the uh, uh, unconventional things that we did. We got rid of the pricing page. We're selling strategy. So selling like $399, $499, $599 was not in alignment with the value of what we're selling. Um, so we got rid of it and we said, great, if you want to buy from us, you're going to talk to us and we're going to solution sell to you. So that's what we do. That's why we really focused on calls held with our ICP. Um, we, uh, it's all unlimited users. We don't sell per seat. And the reason that we did that is because 
when we deploy OKRs, the more people that have OKRs, the better off we are. Why would we put a pricing barrier up in front of our customers? So unlimited users, yes, we did the analytics on that so that the pricing covers like 80% of what the value price would have been anyways if we were doing per seat selling. And quite frankly, it makes the administrative side a lot easier. And then we embedded the services. There's no question. We don't ask you if you want services. We don't ask you if you want an add-on. If you want to buy from us, it's software and services. That's how we sell it. So here is our uh, here's our pricing. This is our model. Um, we just landed on this. We just changed to this. Um, we do quarterly automatically, automatically renewed offerings. Most of our customers start at the expert lab, but they want to get to DIY because everybody wants DIY, but they never want, they, they know they can't start there. So that's kind of like our little bit of our hook. Um, we got to our 107% in our expansion is because we just converted some customers that were going to bail because of this pricing model, because they um, were paying us at the expert-led level or the coach level, and we offered them sort of a different way to go about it, the DIY, and that kept them because they knew how to run the process themselves and they didn't need us anymore. So, um, so they love our application, but they don't need our services. We understand that. So that's what the DIY piece is on there as well. But at any rate, I just want to say that this was a bit of an unlock for us because because we increased our prices about 30%. We shifted to a quarterly pricing model, matched that up with our, like, our job to be done, which is managing a quarterly process, um, and got paid more for that. So that's, um, that's really working for us, and, um, and that's how we got to more than 100% retention. So how do we keep our customers? Again, a little bit more um, unconventional. Maybe some of you are doing this. I don't know. We don't have to tango. We don't have gain insight. Our gain side, I wish we did and wish we could afford it, but we can't. So we built our own metrics based on not utilization because we don't really care about app utilization. We care about the fact that our clients are delivering organizational performance. So if they're not hitting their KPIs and their OKRs, we are failing as an organization. So we built our retention metrics around the effectiveness of the process, their actual organizational performance, and then the strength of our relationship. We are selling um, ourselves as um, experts in this work. And so we, of course, are their strategy partner. So if we're not seen as that, then the value proposition fails. So those are our metrics. Those are our retention metrics. And we're really, really focused on those on a weekly basis, as most of us probably are. This is our own dashboard. Um, so we matched our KPIs to our client's expected value. Um, we don't actually, I mean, we do have utilization metrics, but we don't look at them that often. Um, and then this is our homegrown client scorecard. Um, it worked for us. It was easy to build and it was the right price point. So here we are. Um, and again, as I mentioned, we match that data up with a team of people who know how to do the work and can take action against those specific um, early warning signs, those early churn signs. Um, yep, and not just CSRs. So, so that was kind of quick. That was more than 20 minutes, but that's okay. So, uh, we talked a little bit about burning the bridges. It was really hard to burn the bridges. I have to say, um, I work with both of my parents. We're a family business. Um, 
And my dad's awesome. He's my CFO and he's a CPA and he's great. And he was just like, we can't do this. We can't add all this labor in. Was like, great dad, but I can't retain customers. This is like not a sustainable business. It's not working. So bless his heart, we still have that debate. But uh, when I say that too, like we really had to burn the bridges. We had to say, we're not doing this anymore. We do not sell software only. Um, so SaaS Plus is working for us. Where we're going with it is we do have to get the cost of service down. So we, of course, are automating. Of course, we're standardizing. Of course, we're trying to make every you know hour matter. Um, we're heading in that direction. The other thing we're doing is we launched a community yesterday, which I was so excited about, to really get focused and do wraparound for every uh, customer of ours that's leading strategy and organizational performance. So I guess my takeaway on all that is um, we learned the hard way. We stopped doing stuff that is supposed to work but didn't work for us. Um, and we really, really doubled down on the stuff that works. And what works for us is SaaS Plus inbound and really, really talented people that understand how to deliver the work that drives our product, that drives our service, and that drives our value to our customers. So thanks so much.